Bay FM 100.3. This is Searchlight, the entrepreneur's journey with Sharon and John. Well, technically, John is here in spirit with us tonight. Um, he is one of the legions of people who have come down with COVID. Well, no, he came down with COVID a couple of weeks ago. He's still got, you know, that legacy cough that's... <laughs> Right, he's got that. So, John is fine. Uh, we have a stand-in tonight, one of our Redlands Angels, who's a wonderful, wonderful man and can join this conversation brilliantly. Welcome, Tony Wheeler. Good evening. Welcome. Thank you, Sharon. It's lovely to be here. Quite a new experience. I'm normally on the other side of the table, actually being interviewed, so actually being here and co-hosting with you is going to be a, a whole lot of fun. It certainly will be. Got to get a couple of things out of the road first. Um, did you know it's a full moon tonight? So, <laughs> I've got three it's nodding heads. It's massive. It is beautiful. However, that's when people go slightly crazy. So, here's the thing. If you're going to go slightly crazy tonight, good. Have fun doing it. But come up with a crazy idea. Because if you do that, this is the program for you. Searchlight Entrepreneur's Journey. And tonight, you're going to find out all about startups and hubs and incubators and things that can accelerate your idea and literally help it launch off the planet and past the whole full, full moon. So tonight is the program you want to have a listen to. <laughs> Would you like, Tony, to give us a, a quick rundown of our guests for this evening? Um, just a little bit of a, a taste of what's coming up tonight. Absolutely. Well, do you just set the scene a little bit? You actually mentioned in the introduction that the topic for the evening is about incubators, innovation hubs, and the whole journey of how do we actually support entrepreneurs and startups. And we have three incredibly qualified people in helping us uh, take that journey this evening. The first of which is going to be um, a phone-in from the Gold Coast. Um, just so that, uh, again, that little bit of that little tickling throat. <laughs> so it's uh, so we're going to be joined by Sharon Honeybell, who is the CEO of the Gold Coast Innovation Hub. Um, I'll just read out the little blurb that we've got here, just very briefly, rather than my own version. So Sharon has had a varied career as a driver of the innovation and technology sector in Australia. In 2018, she was named one of Australia's 100 Women of Influence by the Fin Review for her work growing and strengthening the innovation and tech sector in Queensland. It's also co-founding a number of youth innovation and technology initiatives through Social Enterprise, Startup Apprentice, and more recently, she launched Tech with Style to promote fashion tech. I've known Sharon for quite a few years, and basically, I think she's always been one of the mainstays of the ecosystem around here, and has always been incredibly well known for being a community builder, and also just her focus on education. So I think that's perfect. And we'll be chatting with Sharon in just a moment. Who are our other Who guests? Who else? So, Pauline from uh, River City Labs. Now Yay! again... So River City Labs is a, a name that a lot of people in Brisbane will actually know, and particularly in the Redlands also, because it was originally created and founded by uh, one of our locals, Steve Baxter, um, of Shark Tank Infamy. Um, so RCL has been around for a long time, and Pauline, t 10 years I'm just being figured, 10 year, 10 year anniversary this year. That's amazing. So I started mentoring when RCL started. So that's been 10 years ago. So 
those sorts of stats you can keep to yourself because that makes me feel really old. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, so Pauline is the general manager of uh, RCL, um, is a startup founder in her own right, which is always a bonus. We always like working with people in hubs who have actually been on the journey themselves or going through it. So that's going to be amazing. And then finally, we have Kelly Dyer from, this looks like a funky new name, Keldy Consulting. So this looks like a hybrid of the, the first and the second name for a bit of creativity. Um, innovation advisor and facilitator. As a certified innovation facilitator and company director, Kelly's able to bring ideas and solutions to assist entrepreneurs which support good governance and business practices. So, and again, we're going to find out more about these amazing uh, women as we go throughout the evening and also how they go to their own journeys and their own contribution to actually help entrepreneurs and startups go on to success. So we'll be back in just a moment with our first guest, Sharon Honeybell, in just a moment. This is Bay FM 100.3 Searchlight, The Entrepreneur's Journey. Every minute, every hour, every day. Searchlight on Bay FM 100.3. Connect with us by SMS on 0468 86 1003. Yeah, if you've got a question for any of our guests, just send us a text and ask away. And I'm sure our magnificent guests will uh, help answer your questions. And as I said, if you've got a great idea, you are in the right place to find out what to do and where to go next. But right now, on the phone from the Gold Coast, we have the wonderful Sharon Honeybell, CEO of Gold Coast Innovation Hub. And Tony, you know Sharon, and you've got a little bit of a story. Well, it's it's more about, I guess, the, the position. and Everything that we want to talk about this evening, the, the whole uh, entrepreneur's journey, the entrepreneur's spotlight is about how do we support people to be successful. So how do we actually help them go through a whole lot of methodologies and processes that increase the chances of success? And so the conversation tonight is really about what are accelerators, what are innovation hubs, um, what's the type of education and entrepreneur's support that um, we need to be able to provide. And as I said, all three of our guests are very experienced in that. And Sharon has a very long, illustrious career in terms of um, creating and, and supporting the Gold Coast Innovation Hub through many iterations and through great successes. Um, I understand there may also be a little bit of a, a story coming more locally as well to the Redlands. So we, we may get to explore some of that. So what we'd really like to do is just open it up to Sharon and, and just say for everyone one of our listeners out there really have no idea what hubs and accelerators and innovation and entrepreneurial support programs are all about just give us a taste what does that actually mean all right well yeah, so thank you so much for having me along and thanks Trini, for that um that introduction um so i guess um well for me personally if i share a little bit of my journey um i actually just started out as an it person um, I was working in IT. I moved to a regional city. I moved from Melbourne to the Gold Coast. Um, and there was, and this was 12 years ago. Uh, and there just wasn't a lot of innovation and there wasn't a lot of technology businesses there for me to be able to work in. Um, so I started working for a company in Sydney, um, working from home and, and, uh, and flying down there every now and then. Um, and, you know, I noticed that the planes were just full of really amazing executives, great tech workers, fantastic talent um, that were, I guess, um, using all their skills in the capital cities because they weren't the jobs in the regional areas. So, um, so yeah, so to cut a long story short, 
um, I kind of got a bit of a theme in my bonnet about why why don't we have these great companies? And I started looking at startups and these sort of high-growth tech companies that were hiring large amounts of highly skilled people and started working to try and uh, create uh, an innovation and startup ecosystem on the Gold Coast about 10 years ago. I went to the opening of River City Labs. It was a huge inspiration for some of the stuff we did. Started running some startup programs that I think we're going to talk about later. Uh, and then eventually launched the Innovation Hub. And the Innovation Hub uh, is really about keeping, like, I guess, um, uh, being the eyes and ears of the entire innovation and startup ecosystem, uh, directing people to the support services and, uh, and programs that are available and plugging the gaps where there are gaps. Uh, and working with the whole community to be able to do that. So there's a couple of fascinating um, points that you've just raised there, Sharon, as you're talking through. One is about the experience of actually observing what goes on in capital cities um, and the, the focus and the investment into those regions, but then actually what happens in the regions. Now, I know a lot of people actually don't particularly call the Gold Coast a region, but uh, I know that we do. Um, so... There's, there's now amazing activities growing out right through far north Queensland and other remote areas into uh, Australia as well. So that's, so I guess, something I get you to come back a little bit more and talk about because what you also just described was that as a hub, it was about being the eyes and ears and looking to fill the gaps in the community. So you're basically saying, right, what is happening in the ecosystem? What do people need right now? And how do we bring that together? And I guess that is also quite different, both in a major city and also in a regional hub. Would that be correct? Oh, absolutely. Every city is different. And I guess from the point of view, like with the with the Gold Coast, it absolutely does not have a lot of the... Um, um, the issues that some of the more remote regions have, but we still were in a situation where most of the government support was based in the capital city of Brisbane. And um, so someone that's starting a business on the Gold Coast, you know, we, you still had that issue that you needed to com commute uh, for a couple of hours in, a couple of hours out with traffic. So essentially, if you wanted to attend an Austrade session, for example, to find out about exporting, um, you needed to travel into, into Brisbane. So you had to give up a day from your business to be able to attend that session. And we, you know, now we've got Zoom and also, and it's so much easier to attend things. Uh, but at that point in time, they were all being delivered face to face. And so, you know, we, we just found that the knowledge that was um, growing in the capital cities wasn't, uh, and the connections that were being made um, for businesses that were forming in the capital cities, it wasn't filtering out into the um, areas that were, you know, an hour or more from from the capital city and so um and and that's what we wanted to try and address and 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 also and create a place where those programs could be run from as well and connections into them so one of the things that i also picked up both in um what your introduction said but also what pauline said before was about the 10 years and so significant that rcl river city lab started 10 years ago that was part of the inspiration for gold coast hub just talk me through a little bit. How has the ecosystem changed over the last 10 years? Because back then, as we were all part of it, and there was, there was very little, now it's much more mature. So how have you seen the nature of the services and education you provide as Hub? How has that changed over that 10-year period? It's, uh, it's changed a lot. So I, when we first got started, I remember going... I, I used to go into Cates, universities, high schools, uh, council. Um, chambers of commerce and 
the conversation was about like I would we would actually say what is a startup, and there and there was a huge education piece on talking about why it would be important to embrace these uh, high growth digital companies um, that were um, building I guess uh, scalable products locally. Uh, that could be exported and purchased globally and the impact that that would have. And so, yeah, back then, 10 years ago, just the it was really a conversation piece about getting people to understand that innovation um, and that and technology was the way forward. Um, and obvious, and then, you know, and, and things changed. So we spent the first part of that 10 years, a lot of lobbying, a lot of very grassroots going to people just trying to tease out some basic ideas running things like Startup Weekends. Um, I started, um, which you mentioned, um, Startup Apprentice, which was high school entrepreneurship program. So we'd go in to a, um, to a science, math or business class, take it over for a term um, and, um, and basically embed entrepreneurship in the curriculum to get the kids to come up with ideas and structure that, their classwork around building their ideas. So there was heaps of grassroots work done back then um, then we sort of saw that switch where, you know, Advanced Queensland came around. There was the innovation strategies from the federal government. And so innovation and startups became something that was being focused on. Um, so then we saw a bit of an evolution where um, we were seeing more support from uh, universities. Um, people got it. Um, now we're in sort of another phase where we're seeing a lot more startups, uh, sorry, a lot more scale-ups. And so a lot of the conversation now is around how do we fund them so that they can have the optimal amount of growth? How do we reduce barriers for them to be able to export internationally? And then we've also got the, the sort of final stage of that um, scale-up uh, stage, which is, you know, acquisition and then hopefully the, rein, the reinvestment of those, uh, that experience the, um, the gains uh, financially back into early-stage startups again. So there's a, a little bit of a rundown on 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> that is just a, a very small snapshot of 10 years. <laughs> and no doubt you've seen massive changes over that time. We'll be back in just a moment. I'm going to take a, a very quick um, music break. But I'd like you to think about how are people approaching startups differently now? If someone's got a great idea... How do they find you? What do they need to do to approach you and what are the things that they need to, to put in place before they can start up with or before they can take it to the next step with you? So we'll be back in just a moment. If you're on the Gold Coast or anywhere around the Gold Coast area, you want to listen to this and get the info. This is Bay FM 100.3 Searchlight and The Entrepreneur's Journey. Just great music. This is Bay FM 100.3 and Fleetwood Mac, The Chain. And that's what you want to do to link this program and what's happening with Searchlight, the entrepreneur's journey, and what's happening in the accelerators, the startup hubs, and how can you take a great idea and launch it into the stratosphere, or at least the big full moon that we've got tonight. <laughs> we have on the phone from the Gold Coast, uh, CEO of Gold Coast Innovation Hub, Sharon Honeybell. Now, Sharon's been in this startup ecosystem for a very long time. So one of my questions, Sharon, is um, when you've got someone who's got a great idea 
and then they're, they're not in this ecosystem at all how do they get to find out about you how do they get involved in the gold coast innovation hub what's their next step okay um well if you if, if you'd like to connect in with the gold coast innovation hub um you can head to our website which is gchub.com.au you can see a variety of different um, programs um, that we have available uh, we run them as memberships and like the the most basic membership is it's $39 a year and for that you can attend our lunch and learns and our networking functions so we do one of those every month and so you can attend those uh, at any time during the year so um, so even if you're based in the Redlands if you want to be able to get out meet other people learn from other entrepreneurs um, you just you can just take that most basic level of membership and be able to uh, pop down um, to the innovation hub we are working on running um, some more of those activities further into northern Gold Coast as well. So we've got a new partnership with uh, um, Discover North Gold Coast. So, you know, what we're trying to do is make sure that um, we're accessible to all entrepreneurs. Now, um, if you have already registered an ABN, um, or maybe you're a consultant or you've, so you've already got an ABN registered and you've got a great idea that you're wanting to implement, um, there are, there's the um, Australian Small Business Advisory Service Digital Solutions Program. So we're also partnered in that, um, which basically um, allows people for $44 to spend, uh, to have three hours of mentoring and four hours of workshops around getting their new initiative up and running. Um, so that's another option. Um, but there's also um, the Queensland Government has something called the QI Hub. Um, which is a directory of all the different uh, innovation spaces that lists all the different programs. We list all of our programs and activities on the QI Hub as well. So that's a really great resource to go to as well to see what's around your local area and different things that are happening um, nearby. So it's just a few ways that you can connect in if you've got a great idea. That's qihub.com.au? Oh. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> Just checking, <laughs> but it's Q as in Queen, the letter Q-I-Hub. Do a quick search yep. for that. Yes, it's qihub.com.au. So that was launched by Advanced Queensland through the Queensland Government. Um, and so as I said, we, we list all of our um, programs, activities and things like that. So someone with a, with a great new idea, I still love Startup Weekends. They're my absolute favourite. Um, since the advent of COVID, they're now sometimes delivered online as well. And so I know that there's, um, so there's a, I know there's a sustainability startup weekend that's coming up. Um, so, um, so these sorts of things, you come up with, you, you have your idea, you present it on a Friday night, groups of people find, form, form teams around the best ideas and you actually build out your startup over the weekend. So they're, they're fantastic, um, ways of not only, um, sort of exploring an idea, but perhaps finding your founding team. Um, and perhaps, and actually validating that you have got um, a, a business idea that's going to potentially make money and be scalable uh, and all those important things. Do you want to explain what you've just said about validating an idea? Why is that important? Oh, absolutely. Um, well, one of the things that we've always tried very hard to help uh, early stage startup founders with um, is to remain um, lean. Um, so what we want you to we don't want you to go out. We, I saw this so much when we were first starting the Innovation Hub, where people would come up with a great idea for an application or, or, um, or a piece of software and they would spend 
hundreds of thousands of dollars developing a prototype that they don't and that they haven't even showed to a potential customer yet. And then when they eventually put it into the market, having invested all this money, sometimes it's not always what the customers really want. Um, so we work really hard to try and help people to uh, come up with a very basic version of their idea that they can test with customers, get some people paying for it, and then once you've got that product market fit, so you know that your product has potential paying customers, then you scale that out. And then, and, and then you've got a, sort of a, a demonstrable business model um, that should, like, potentially down the track, be investable. And you know this because you've actually uh, had your own startup and you've exited it recently, haven't you? Yeah, I was. Um, I was actually employee number twelve um, of a startup called Opmantech, and um, so we made some very geeky software. It's, it's um, software that monitors the um, equipment that IT like. IT equipment, so your routers, switches, to tell you um, if everything's functioning well um, and to predict if anything might happen to go wrong in your IT environment. Um, so, yeah, so I joined um, Opmantech in 2014, I think it was, as employee number 12, and, and we scaled that company from the Gold Coast into 130 countries worldwide. Um, and, yes, it was acquired at the, at the end of last year by a publicly listed company. So Congratulations. Done, I've done the hard yards. Yeah, it was a it was a, a big journey, um, and uh, but certainly when I'm working with um, with businesses, um, it's that's that's the whole idea behind um, an, like our innovation hub and what I feel like um, true innovation hubs. It's a it's about having uh, being entrepreneur led, so having the business people that are running it um, and sharing their experiences and their connections, so that other companies can follow the same path or a similar path, but get there a whole lot quicker and with a whole lot less mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Just a, um, a, picking up on a couple of elements you talked about, Sharon, and as you were rattling off that list of everything that's available, and as you say, the introductory level is like, as you say, $39 a year. It's like, mm. even though Netflix share price is falling through the floor, it's a heck of a lot more expensive than that. Um, so it's... As we go back to this 10-year um, idea, 10 years ago, you said there was nothing. And a number of us who are involved in this conversation now were sort of very early um, adopters, very early influences in that process. But you say lobbying governments, lobbying people, educating them about what startups actually are and everything else. Now, someone who's listening to all this right now could actually feel quite overwhelmed. We just talked about Advanced Queensland, QI Hub, state initiatives, regional initiatives. Um, you even pointed out that on the Gold Coast, you're actually now looking at Northern Gold Coast. So even within regions, there's sub-regions. So mm -hmm. I guess the key message that basically took out of that is that the real value is that just start anywhere. And one of the best things is just to go and actually go to one of these hubs, whether it's actually the Gold Coast, whether it's River City Labs, which we're going to hear about shortly, whether it's uh, Substation 33 out at Logan or any other ones around, um, and just go and start meeting people and talking to them and sharing your idea and actually learning about what that journey is. Is that sort of the essence? Is that a good starting point for people? Uh, 100%. Like, this is the great thing about the fact that, you know, that the, the whole of Australia and I guess the whole of the world has now em embraced innovation um, is that there is so much help out there. So all you need is your introductory point. Um, and most of the startup hubs like River City Labs, you know, we, we are there 
Like our goal is your success. So when you come in the door, we want to help you and we will find the right, the right programs for you to be able to get started um, on your journey uh, with. So, um, so yeah, absolutely. Find a hub, um, introduce yourself and, and you'll, you'll be connected into the community before you know it. Um, and, and yeah, that's, that's how you get going. <laughs> It really is an amazing community and we've been kind of hearing whispers that you might be making your way to the Redlands. Is is that something you can share? <laughs> I can share that there are a lot of conversations at the moment um, with um, uh, uh, both with the, with the Redlands City Council and various other stakeholders um, and a lot of consultation with community and with the Angels Group. Um, around, um, you know, establishing that, that hub for the Redlands. So that starting place, uh, for people in the Redlands who are wanting to kick off, um, their idea. Um, or, um, if you are based on the Redlands, because one of the things we found with the Gold Coast Innovation Hub, there were so many businesses, great businesses that were being run out of homes, uh, so run out of the garage. Um, and I have no doubt that there are similar businesses like that. Um, that have got that have reached a certain level of growth um, for working from home uh, in the region um, that would really benefit from an innovation hub that can then be connected into you know uh, that have better access to capital have better access access to resources and programs to be able to export uh, all those sorts of things so so yes we are we are we are working really hard <laughs> and working with the community because that's the most important part about establishing an innovation hub. Um, is to make sure that we um, you want to leverage what's already there. So if there are already fantastic chambers of commerce, if they're great education institutions, um, you want to leverage what's there, um, and then uh, and so we boost them, um, and then we also um, plug any gaps and obviously just um, create a really um, uh, a, a, a full um, a full suite of, of products and support to bring someone from the idea stage right the way through to exit. Excellent. So it's it's good news that there's something um, actually happening in the Redlands. Uh, I know for a lot of years people have had to travel out of the Redlands into River City Labs, into Logan, into the Gold Coast to actually try and find this support. There are a number of initiatives around in the Redlands that you're, you've just mentioned some of, you're linking into, such as the Redlands Angels, where we have people come and pitch to us regularly for uh, for investment. But there's, there's a whole lot of earlier stages that need to be addressed. So we've had historically startup Redlands um, in this region and we had this amazing radio show that Sharon and John have been running here as well so <laughs> it's um, it's it's been a very interesting time so it's it's good to hear that we're actually starting to create more momentum and that the community is getting engaged behind that because a lot of people in the Redlands are saying right where do I go how do I get support how do I learn about all the funding that's available so um, yeah that's excellent news good to hear yeah, I think so and that, that collective voice bringing bringing all those groups together because all of those groups, they're all there to serve a purpose, to, to help businesses to be more successful, keep jobs in the region, those sorts of things. So creating that collective voice, um, it's, it's so valuable. Um, so, yeah, it's exciting. <laughs> we'll watch this space and find out what's coming to the Redlands very shortly. Sharon, thank you so much for, for joining us and sharing your journey and, and what's happening on the Gold Coast. Now, I know that you're not feeling terribly well tonight, so I'm going to give you the option. Would you like to hang around and, and have a listen to our other wonderful guests? 
Or would you like to go and lie down and have a hot cup of tea? <laughs> Do you know what? What if I put myself on mute and I listen to the other guests and have a cup of tea? <laughs> that sounds like a wonderful compromise and... Because you're going to do that, we'll, we'll ask you to come back and join us through various sections of the program. Sharon, that is fantastic. No worries. We'll be back in just a moment. This is Searchlight, the entrepreneur's journey. Where there's a will. Don't stop me now. No way. This is Bay FM 100.3, Searchlight, The Entrepreneur's Journey with Sharon and Tony and some amazing guests. Tonight we're talking about accelerators, startups, what do you do, where do you go, what's available to you, and there's a whole bunch. So we've had an amazing conversation so far with Sharon Honeybell from the Gold Coast. In the studio at the moment we have some incredible guests. Our next guest... Tony is? So we're going to introduce you to Pauline from basically River City Labs, who, as you said before, has now just pointed out that we're coming up to a 10-year anniversary in the labs, which mm -hmm. is quite amazing. Um, as Sharon mentioned in her discussion, River City Labs was an inspiration for the Gold Coast hub, and it has been for many other places. Mm. It really did start off very, very early on. So you just listened to what Sharon was telling us and her version of the story and the journey. Mm. So tell us a bit about, well, firstly, you. Who are you? Who the heck is Pauline? Mm. And how did Apart you get to be? Apart from being a wonderful lady. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible mentor. Thank you. So how did you get to this point in your journey? And then tell us a little bit more about River City Labs and its history and where it's going. Well, that's um, a lot to unpack, and you haven't got me a couch, so I don't know how far you. Hang on, go. I'm back in just a moment. <laughs> um, so I um, have a background in technology, um, mainly in corporate. So it is completely polar opposite to uh, doing startups. Um, I spent 20 years in corporate before I joined River City Labs, uh, which was now two and a half years ago. And I joined because I started my own tech startup and I still have that. And I'm still working through a few things, but getting closer and closer to product market fit, which is no easy feat. Um, and I think, you know, the m big thing is that I came to River City Labs because I needed to be completely immersed in an ecosystem that had the resources and the network that would get me further in my own startup. I could not afford to quit my day job. I needed some money because I was bootstrapping. I still am bootstrapping. Um, bootstrapping means basically I'm funding my own hobby. Um, <laughs> or or money up, um, which uh, which is the um, the thing in the works, um, and so yes, so I I definitely oh with Chihu yeah Chihu my startup so um, it's a personal assistant I created it for myself it was my own problem and then when I talked to everyone else it seemed to be their problem it's for time poor people busy people who struggle to juggle um, so that's what it's about but I I joined River City Labs because I. Um, I knew that it had already a lot of foundation built. It had a large network. It did have a lot of access to investors, which I thought I would need somewhere down the path. I had no idea what capital raising was apart from going to the bank or more from a um, corporate perspective. Um, and I definitely knew that I needed to learn a lot. So I was a sponge and came in. The lucky thing for me is that I have a background in tech, so I know enough to be dangerous. I couldn't code to save my life, um, but I can read code and I can pick up crap 
Uh, I don't think I can say that on here, but um, um, you just did. Sorry, <laughs> not sorry. Right. Um, and I um, and also I'm pretty persistent, and I'm a delivery execution freak. So whatever I'm going to do, I'm going to get it done. So I um, definitely had those components I could translate from corporate to startup land, but everything else I had to learn, and it was such a great environment to learn, and I, I also was an ex-consultant, so for me, you had to always constantly move companies with consulting, and I was had a habit of picking up pretty quickly. Um, and the first thing you do is you talk to all of the community, so I literally joined River City Labs, and I dated everyone through gazillion coffees over about four months, just to completely just listen and understand. Um, and it was a great experience, that's where I get to meet Tony, um, who's our wonderful co-host tonight, and I also got to just understand everyone in the ecosystem and their roles, and I think River City Labs, given it has been around for 10 years, um, it has access to every actor in the startup ecosystem, and startup ecosystem sounds a bit culty, sounds like what we're talking about is this, you know, enigma. It kind of is, but if you go overseas to other startup innovation hotspots, like whether it's in um, the Central. US, Israel, um, or, or London, every startup ecosystem there has its own little network of culty feeling. So that's the best way I can describe it. And you think you don't need it if you've got an idea, because I didn't think I needed it, because I, I was used to managing large enterprise platforms, and I did recovery. So I used to fix it when it was broken. So I thought, oh, you know, this is, this is going to be fine. I know tech. I'll be able to do it. And then I was like, when you do your own startup from an idea where you don't have the silver platter rolled out for you and you don't have the blueprint of what this new thing that you want to do and what is step five versus step 50 and let alone figuring out step one you really need places like these culty startup ecosystems and the community that i entered absolutely embraced um, not only me but every founder since that has walked through the door and there's been over 900 companies that river city labs has helped um, and then it has a sister brand startup catalyst so i also head up startup catalyst um, and startup catalyst um, take people overseas into those other innovation hotspots get them inspired connected networked hopefully help them grow into that market and bring them back to take that and build their business with it as well so through everything you just described there's actually a couple of significant stages and so i want to come back to startup catalyst I want to come back to some of the other missions for founders and for investors mm -hmm. because that's a much bigger story that's a much bigger agenda and it's also uh, a bit further down the maturity pathway um but there's a couple of really interesting things that you said to start with one is coming from a corporate background mm. and we see a lot of people that step in from a corporate background or government background or bureaucracy and they say right i know tech i know management i can do this i can do a startup and they find it's a completely foreign world then you've also got this other group which basically come from smes small to medium business and then they go well i know how to run a small business so it's more like that because it's fast moving, break something, fix it, move on. But as Sharon described in her interview, it was startups are quite a unique beast where they are typically uh, a technology driven uh, organization or a, an idea or a solution that is highly scalable and actually has a potential global marketplace. So it's, as you said, there is there's a whole new language to learn. There's new cultures to learn. There's new ways of being to learn. There's new people to hang out with because it isn't a corporate and it isn't a small business. It is a, it's a third entity. It's a third type of ecosystem or type of uh, corporate experience. So 
we often get a lot of people that come to whether it's the startup programs that we run or whether to Redlands Angels and as they say they just pitch this idea and they just say I've got the best thing since sliced bread bang here it is have you thought of this have you done that have you done your customer validation have you done your minimum viable product everything else and they got no idea so this is very much what Sharon talked about was about the learning side and the importance of that the education and we'll come back to some of your programs but you also said that there was a point early on you were funding your hobby or your, your your worst nightmare as a lot of founders end up calling it because mm. you think this is going to take six months and this is going to be something super simple it's going to be the next facebook and it goes on for years i was talking to a group of uh, angels um, just literally last week and they said the average exit time is 10 years that's if you ever get there most startups will actually fail they'll never get to exit and if you do it's 10 years mm. so it's it's a really significant journey but you made a decision at some point to basically say I'm going in boots and all yeah. and the only way to do this is to immerse myself because you suddenly realized this is a whole new beast I've got to dive in boots and all and actually learn this how did you know you were at that point how do you know when it was time to say right I've got to give this hundred percent or I'm just not going to figure it out my customers told me so I actually already had quite a bit of traction and I wasn't even marketing anything so it was a bit of word of mouth um, and it just grew from there and obviously search works on the Apple store but um, the basically I just saw I got to a point where I was like oh okay it's kind of growing now I had 2,000 customers and I was like oh I really think I need to actually start thinking and I'm a bit of a planner in my mind like um, I don't plan to the nth degree but I have a, a vision and I can visualize a lot and then I go okay I'm gonna go that way and then I figure out how I'm gonna get there um, and I definitely found that because it was growing and I was like oh okay now what do I do with the next part I was like okay crap I, I might need to actually get some help here I actually reached out to River City Labs at the time um, I won't say what happened, but um, let's say I eventually got there when I joined it, um, but I definitely um, felt like I needed uh, a bit more hand-holding, I guess, on some of the components of what to expect because every you can search online, you can Google, you can guess, but there is such a large volume of opinion. And what what you don't really realize is that opinion is great if they have the full depth and context of what you've done and where you're going and they've had experience I think like experience counts for everything for me and I needed access to mentors who had experience and so that was just a no-brainer and my customers basically because I had had some traction and it was growing to a point where I think I'm gonna need some help in the future it was like an easy decision for me but I definitely knew that I, I wasn't ready to get any form of investment because I understand what that looks like and I definitely knew that I needed more work to do to identify product market fit um, so yeah and the learning curve is vertical mm. Oh, it's totally. not a curve at all. It is literally vertical. Yeah. If you think you know what you're doing mm. and you've never done a startup before, what's your recommendation? This is, look, I, I really, this is how I would describe it. Now, close your eyes, if not if you're driving, um, and imagine that you had to recreate the beach. Okay. Where would you start? Where yeah. the hell would you start? Do you start with the sand? Do you start with under the sand? Do you start with the right. water? Yeah, good yeah. question. Good so question. who's going to no, be your you customer to who, the beach? Who wants the beach? Correct. <laughs> who is your customer who's going to go to the beach? And 
like the biggest one, who cares enough to pay for it? And will that amount of money pay for all of the sand and the ocean and everything else you need in there, let alone what the ocean colours look like and the sand and the texture? So if I was to explain a difference between corporate, small business, like your analogy you were giving, and going into startup, technology startups is productizing something that doesn't exist and it's unique enough that more than one person, hopefully a few million people want it because investing in technology is not for the faint-hearted building technology it's is not for the faint-hearted faint so do not kid yourself just be you know if you've had corporate experience i had a lot of experience i worked for the large tech organizations of the world like the hps and large global companies i was a consultant and i still felt like i didn't know anything so Productizing and, and creating something that the market wants is a requirement of you to be persistent um, and etch away at something. It is an investment of your life. Like you are, you're doing it because you're going to set scene to something that you can work on and create a habit whilst and enjoy it while you're doing it. So don't enjoy, don't focus on the destination. Enjoy the journey as well. Otherwise, you will definitely not last. So I just want to add a little bit of perspective to this as well because one of the the things and it's interesting when you talk to um ecosystem builders which is part of a, a label we put to a lot of the people in, involved in this conversation who are also founders you actually make it sound like a terrifying journey yes on purpose um <laughs> so the other part of that well it can is, be because yeah, you have to absolutely. kind of um you're swimming without a, a, a life raft around you at at times so and you need to be able to put balance. your hand up and and say help no yeah the thing is i see a lot of founders come in who apply for our programs um and we run four cohorts a year and they're like you have to go through a, a pretty good interview process and we're pretty we've got a panel it's a bit strict um meaning we ask really difficult questions and the reason for that is because um, I, I definitely find because there's this fantasy and stereotype of what being an entrepreneur is and the startup founder and the jeans and the T-shirt, um, you know, I'm wearing a T-shirt right now, says Startup Catalyst, but sorry. But I, um, but the thing is, like, you think that's this thing um, that is really can get you a bit confused and think that it's going to be easy and it's going to be this romantic, you know, trip to some wonderful billionaire's destination and it's not it's most of the time it's, it's lonely hard it's hard work it's sacrifice at your home your financials you know you don't go to the weekend things like when i was building mine i i i literally nine months was in a cave doing had no life i was like driving around testing like at 2 a.m in the morning and my car you know it was not it was not pretty, it wasn't cool, nothing. And people just thought I was a freak not coming out. And you kind of, and like that just continues to have cycles. So that's why I'm, I like it to be a little bit just like, okay, you just got to know what you're getting into. And especially when you're building technology, you got to know the amount, kind of money you're investing in. So I guess the, the, the safety or the, the message that comes all of that for me, you said you do need a safety net in some way, shape or form. Part of it is actually we want to see people who are absolutely committed to their product and to their process 100%. The flip side of it, as you've also said though, is you need to be a very fast learner and you need to be willing to take on board mentors. Absolutely. So this is, I guess, the coachable. message I wanted to get through. You have to be coachable. Got to be coachable. And so when you talked about who do we allow into programs and so on, one of the key criteria is 
are you willing to be coached? Are you willing to learn? Are you able to learn? Or have you got fixed views and ideas from day one? If you have, because from our own experience, we know that 99% of your ideas are going to get thrown out in the first week mm. and that you're going to still maybe try and solve that problem, but the solution is going to look nothing like what you thought it was. Mm. So are you willing to learn? So I guess this keeps coming back all the way through. What is the purpose of the hubs? What's the purpose of the innovation programs? What's the purpose of accelerators? Get yourself connected to these environments as soon as you can, as soon as you have I your idea, get out there and talk to people. Find out what education's available. To talk to people with experience and then basically say, right, how do I set myself up for success rather than failure? That's not mean it's gonna be an easy journey, but there are people out there, there are mechanisms and there are environments and communities which are designed to help people succeed. And I guess that's what this whole conversation is about is connecting people to them. And there is a lot of work involved, but if it's worth it, you will succeed. This is kind of like testing your mettle as you go along. And if you fail, then your idea doesn't come to market. But if you are persistent and you work at it, then you've got the support network around you. In just a moment, we'll come back and we'll ha continue our conversation with Pauline because I'd like to, to delve a little deeper into some of the things that your programs offer specifically. So we'll be back in just a moment. This is Bay FM 100.3 Searchlight and the Entrepreneur's Journey. When someone you love... Are you going to go my way? Well, are you going to go the way of the entrepreneur startups? And that's the question we're asking tonight. If you are, you are definitely in the right place. We are talking about startups, accelerators. What kind of ecosystem is around you right now that you can access easily and we've got some incredible guests on tonight right now we are talking with pauline fatale from river city labs now the question is what is river city labs well uh river city labs technically is a um startup hub slash incubator and i say those two things and the reason for it is it's it's actually an incubator. We incubate startups and we help them through their journey from idea to IPO. One of our companies has IPO'd last year. What um, is IPO? IPO is listing on the stock exchange. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like the last man, you know, before you maybe, I don't know. Uh, no, that's really one option apart from selling uh, your company. So you basically, it's your last round of capital injection to from VC land to more VC public. is venture capital. Venture capital to the public. As Pauline mentioned earlier, there's lots of language and jargon involved in this little yes, uh, cohort, so you just need to uh, keep clarifying everything. Yes. And you kind of need to learn it, so dive in. Um, but River City Labs is an incubator uh, as well um, because of the resources and the programs that we provide. So uh, some of the flagship programs, and you can find it on our website if you do uh, want to check it out. It's rivercitylabs.net. That's how old we are, 10 years old, .net. Um, uh, but you can Google River City Labs and find us on any social page as well. Uh, we have programs around structured learning on how to build your um, startup from an idea phase. So that's called Activate, and the Activate program allows um, a cohort of uh, founders to go through and test the validity of their idea and whether it's worth pursuing. We really encourage um, those members to actually fail if they need to fail fast so that they don't go down the journey and the framework they learn from that they use for the next problem that they want to solve. And I think that's a key thing. Um, the topic we were talking about just before the last break was around you know what we look for in the founders that come to these programs. 
you really, yeah, you have to be coachable and you have to truly understand that when you go into something like this, it's a serious thing and, you know, you're going to make some sacrifices, but it's not that bad. If you are obsessed with the problem that you're solving, then you know you have to do it, otherwise you'll have regrets later. So the key thing is you kind of have to know your the problem you're solving and truly understand it. Who is your customer? And if you can do that pre-work, that is just gold because that just shines through uh, in when you're when you're speaking about it and, and also when you're trying to translate it into how you're going to solve that problem. So that's Activate is the early stage. It goes for three months. It's got six weeks of structured coaching with our entrepreneur and residents as well as we have all these workshops that we run every week. Uh, and then um, the other program is Activate Plus. So it's for companies that have a product in market but they need some help with growth or marketing, uh, getting um, also investor ready. So a lot of our time and the work we do is trying to help um, our founders get access to the right mentors and get coaching on getting investor ready because raising capital is like the next round of building tech. It's just a different thing. You know, every investor um, actually across the ecosystem, depending on which level you're talking to of investor, wants different things. And you need to kind of understand that and navigate that. And you also need to understand you want what your business is you know, from the ceiling to the kitchen floor, you need to understand the unit economics, meaning, you know, how much does it cost per widget to actually build this thing? You need to understand, you know, how you're making money and what's your plan and, and paint the vision. So when you get to venture capital land, you have to be able to sell them and, and paint the vision of where you're going because it's a big market that you need to be hitting um, in order to raise money at that level because you've got to give them a return. So just one of the um, comments and pieces of feedback as, as a member of one of the local angel groups is everyone, and again, this comes out of a lot of the Silicon Valley type mentality and culture. Everyone just goes, the, the holy grail is to raise venture capital, to get the IPO to list on the exchange, where we always say actually the best form of capital raising is a paying customer. If you build a product that people actually want to buy, they just go and do it. You actually don't need to actually go and raise capital unless you've got, it's a very capital intensive early stage development and you're basically looking to pay, get paying customers later. And the ones that people are all familiar with are the Ubers of the world, which cost hundreds of millions of dollars for no return for many, many years while they actually completely changed the market. So other activities and for a lot will actually who want to come to us as angels uh, actually will just turn around and basically say, look, go and get your paying customers. It's not a case of just put your pitch deck together, try and get your money, and people are going to keep funding you until you get there. So, again, it's back to this conversation we were having earlier about there are stages. Mm -hmm. There are gates to keep going through. And a lot of people fantasize that they're at stage 10 when they still actually haven't even left the starting blocks. Oh, yeah, I have founders um, contact me and go, oh, Pauline, I've got this idea. I would like to raise capital. I was like, great, where's your product? I'll go check it out. Oh, we don't have a product yet. It's just an idea. I was like, don't raise capital in Australia on an idea because I don't know any investors who's going to back you. Um, and it's not to break their heart. The reality is, like, that's a hard slog. Unless you actually are rich, privileged, or you know people who can get you and they know your background experience and you're a serial entrepreneur already and you've got, you know, you know, runs on the board already, you can't, you need to actually have some form of traction. So whether that's paying customers or you've gone... We had one company, um, they had 14,000 downloads in the first three months and they were shocked. They didn't know what to do. They came to us out of desperation because they couldn't catch it all. Now, that, yeah, that's traction. They're investable. They got an um, investor out of the States. Um, so, like, 
but they had to come into the program, the, the later stage one, to figure all that out because they had no idea how to navigate. You're building your business, you're catching customers. Now you want me to dedicate time to go capital raise because I actually need to build more infrastructure in order to support the influx of 14,000 customers because they hadn't prepared for that. And so sometimes, yeah, I think people raise capital because they need to. They get to a point of time in technology where it's costing more than what they've got the cash flow coming in, and maybe that's a good time to assess whether you need funding. Um, but, yeah, definitely it, it's really – it's kind of what accelerator do you want to press – because if you're raising capital, that means you want to go faster and the expectation is going to be on you to do that and then deliver against that and return it and close it in 10 years um, to get them a return. And I guess it's, it's interesting because the other part of this that goes through my mind as I listened to both yourself and Sharon talk previously is that there is no one, one size fits all. No. So even though we keep saying come in, there are steps, there's ways you can learn, it's actually different. So it depends on what your product is, what your market is, what the unit economics are, the price. Um, and everything else. So basically, and this is where, again, comes back to willingness to learn and getting the right mentors on board that mm. actually can understand what stage of maturity your business is at and what the right advice is. Yeah, absolutely. Do you need a tech solution? Do you need a new business model? Do you need actually, is it a HR issue? Whatever else. And this is where the, the, the ecosystem and the, the mentor pool and matching, and this is another thing I know that River City Labs and others do, is actually match the startups with the right mentors. Yes. So, so what stage are you at and what do you need right now? Who do we have in our extensive pool that basically says, right, right now you would benefit from person B. Correct. Or right now it would be person D. And it's not one mentor for the whole journey. No. That changes. No, it always changes as you're growing. And like just to finish what River City Labs does, so we've got the programs, the structured programs. Um, we do have our applications open now for the next cohort. So if you do uh, if you do have an idea or you've got a product in market, you need some support, um, go check out our website. The actual application process is on there. It's pretty straightforward. What's the webpage? RiverCityLabs.net. Right. I was nearly about to sing, sorry. <laughs> you can do that if you like. It's the radio. Go for it. Um, Rivercitylabs.net and find us also on social channels and you can find a link there if you can't find us. Um, you know, find Pauline Fatoi on LinkedIn. So just before we change speed and direction, something else you mentioned a little earlier was about Startup Catalyst. Yes. What's that all about? So Startup Catalyst is the um, organisation that takes people overseas into technology and innovation hotspots to be inspired. Tony, you know what Startup Catalyst is. You've been on a mission. Tell this us is, from your, your perspective. Stage. This is your stage. Well, I, I, I tell you what. The last two years, I've, I've been um, with River City Labs two and a half years, and I've been looking after Startup Catalyst um, during the COVID uh, travel restrictions. So I was doing domestic missions. I haven't been on an overseas mission, but I'm about to go to London Tech Week in four weeks' time. Damn. I'd love to go. I know. I plan not to sleep, and I will just soak up everything <laughs> there. I'm going with fabulous eight other people plus um, some of my colleagues. And I just know that from, you know, the time we land to the time we um, get back on the plane home, we will be completely inundated with experiences, not only the London Tech Week events, but we've organised some huge, big tech giants to go and visit. Some very new video-centric ones, I won't say who yet.
quiet because we're just locking things down. Um, but we're going to spend some time with those companies. We're going to go visit their offices, see how they're building out their products, you know, take a lot of the learnings, get connected, have investor nights. We've got two planned. Um, and, you know, meet all the other Aussies that are going over. There's actually quite a lot going over. Um, you know, the UK um, government is absolutely throwing out the red carpet for Aussie founders and entrepreneurs to grow into that market. And there's a lot of incentives, you know, from their government to go over there. So, um, hint, hint, uh, you know, elections coming up, do some work um, nice. to incentivize companies to stay, <laughs> to here. stay here. I agree. You know, some perks, some things with ESOPs, you know. Are we allowed to do party play to political announcements on this show? Oh, probably not. Um, but sorry, I nearly sang before too. <laughs> it's, it's that time of the year. So, but so, so far we've talked all the way through um, from very early stage educational programs and Sharon mentioned earlier about Startup Weekend which is a fabulous 72 hour yeah. 3 day experience you've talked about different levels of programs you have and then you get all the way up to the Catalyst Missions yes. which is further along the, the maturity scale and mm. as you said you've got Founders Missions, you've got Ecosystem investor. Builders Missions and Investor Missions and then Youth Missions so we do take students as well so we're looking to launch another um, student uh, university level youth mission to the States um, so now the travel's available so we'll be going, look, typically we run six missions a year um, and they cover all those community um, to founders, to youth, to investors, cohorts in different locations. Um, and I think, you know, another interesting area is we need to go over to Asia. So there are a lot of the investors have, you know, set up camp over there and it's just an ecosystem that's thriving and building. And given our technology resource shortage in Australia, it's just a place that we need to take some founders and investors over to. And Tony knows that one incredibly well. In fact, uh, we're allowed to say that you're kicking off very shortly? Uh, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just did, yeah. So as you said, with some of the, the hot spots around the world, as you mentioned, so everyone sort of hears about Silicon Valley in San Francisco and California, then you've got Denver, and then you say London Tech Week, and then you've got Europe hotspots, but yeah, Israel. ASEAN, Israel, yes. Um, ASEAN region, Asia, and that is just mind-blowing. Um, so what's going on between Indonesia, Vietnam, um, Korea, South Korea and Japan and everything. So yeah, as you know, I do spend quite a bit of time in Vietnam and we'll be heading back there next week. I'm betting on that. So um, yes, it's a very, very exciting ecosystem over there. And I guess the key message with all that is basically, again, this, it doesn't matter what stage you're at, whether you're someone sitting in your lounge room tonight with an, an idea going, I have no idea whether this will work or not, through to whether you're a, a late stage scale up looking for venture capital investment, and you want to go and learn from the best ecosystems in the world, I guess between River City Labs, Gold Coast Hub and other centres like this and again Logan, Substation, all those, mm -hmm. the ecosystem can cater for all of that. Yeah. We have people there that have been through every step of that journey. So wherever you are on that journey, start having the conversation, find out who the right people to connect are and then you basically you can just keep accelerating from there. Absolutely. Now we're going to continue the conversation in just a moment with our next guest. And no, I'm not going to say anything right now because we've already said a whole bunch of stuff, but Kelly is amazing. So she's got some new news for us, exciting things that are happening. So hang around for Kelly Dyer coming up very shortly here at Bay FM. Argent, hold your head up and absolutely got a great idea. You're in the right place. Searchlight, the entrepreneur's journey. We are talking all things about startups, accelerators, how you take your brilliant idea. What's your first step? 
then your next step, and then your next step. And be amazed if you've never heard about the startup world. There is such an incredible ecosystem there ready to support you. You just need to put your hand up and say, I need some help. And we'll go through a run, to, run through of these what we've spoken about tonight in just a few moments. But right now, we have our next amazing guest, Kelly Dyer. So, so far as we've been listening to um, both Sharon and Pauline, there's been a lot about hubs and um, programs and everything else. And one of the things we keep talking about is base advisors and mentors and sort of people who can help you on that journey. So, Kelly, tell us a bit more about who you are, where do you fit into this story, and... What do you want everyone to know? Hi, and thanks for having me. It's great to be on again and to spend some time with people I haven't seen for a while, Pauline. <laughs> um, look, my space that I'm working in here is mentoring. That's what I do. That's what I love, helping and supporting people. I'm a mentor at River City Labs and have met some amazing businesses through that. Um, been working with governments at all levels across Australia and helping implement programs and you know, taking people through the various stages of innovation and entrepreneurship, not always tech-related. So we've been talking a lot about tech tonight. And innovation doesn't always mean tech. It quite often does, but it doesn't have to be. Um, and the last couple of weeks I've been uh, working with a lot of businesses in Asia and actually through the UK and Ireland, which has been really exciting to see what's happening in that space over there with, you know, how we've been reacting to changes in the environment and changes in business and now that, you know, travel's a little bit easier. So how is it looking from the other side of the world and what does it mean yeah, for them? How does it compare? You know, are we on track, better track, behind? Yeah, it's interesting. I think we're all, we're on par with each other. Um, there's, there's different pressures though. We have the pressure of distance and logistics and freight and movements that, um, you know, elongate processes, elongate perhaps, you know, go-to-market strategies or understanding that product market fit that are a little bit compressed in the Northern Hemisphere. But then when you look at the beautiful resources that we have that they may be struggling to find and I guess for some of the people I'm speaking with, particularly in Ireland, they're not actually feeling um, feeling that supported at the moment. They're still feeling a little bit isolated. So it's interesting. I think we're on the right side of the world to go forth and take it over. I like your thinking. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Let's just conquer from down under. Okay, so um, why are people chatting to you here in Australia? Um, it's been word of mouth from connections they've made or at one of the people that I'm working with at the moment um, actually relocated to the UK and it's a connection I've had from a long time ago from a, a job, corporate job, and they've been working on their own business for a little while and ran into someone and, you know, word of mouth and they got hold of me. So it's been really interesting to reconnect with those people and actually really uncover and discover how many people are really looking to be entrepreneurial and have that, you know, have that dance with innovation and make something different happen. And a lot of people really just don't know where to go. They, they're not familiar with the terms. They're not familiar with what is available. So Correct. offering that as a service to help people 
is exactly what we're talking about tonight. Can I step you back ever so slightly, though? Sure. You've got an amazing background in all of this, so you want to just give us a, a little bit of a rundown of what you've done and yeah. how you've worked and what exactly you are doing now. Yeah. Look, I've been really lucky for the last three years. I've been focusing on innovation and entrepreneurship, and particularly as it relates to females and female-founded businesses and what it means for them. And when thinking about designing programs and designing support packages, and I tried to find data, I'm, I'm a big one for, you know, data-driven decisions and evidence-based decisions, and it's really difficult to find anything relating to female entrepreneurs from an Australian context. I found a lot of information from Hong Kong, Slovenica, lots of other places, and Tony's <laughs> nodding his head, and it was just really frustrating. And I thought I need to practice what I preach. And I say to people, you know, I'm, I've been mentoring founders who are funding a hobby, to, to quote Pauline. And I say, well, look, you know, you want investment, you're not going to get it. You're not committed. You've got a foot in two camps. Are you going to back yourself? Why, if you won't, why won't anyone else? And I went, well, I can complain that there's no data about female entrepreneurship, or I can just go and do something about it. And so I'm undertaking a PhD in innovation and entrepreneurship, and I'll be looking at success factors, particularly female founders, but I'm happy to be distracted by some other challenges if they're out there. And um, hopefully using that information, you know, Sharon's mentioned it, Pauline's mentioned it, Tony's mentioned it, that innovation and entrepreneurship space has matured significantly. We shouldn't have to rely on data from other areas. We're old enough now. We're big enough. We're, we're all grown up. We've generated enough of our own data or we have the ability to collect enough of our own data and put it into some meaningful stories and analysis and, and really give it some pressure testing so that we can really help focus and refine our efforts to be even stronger and more supportive and amplify all the good work that's currently happening from, you know, places like River City Labs and with Sharon down at the Gold Coast Innovation Hub and all those chambers of commerce, all those governments, um, you know, programs that are, you know, putting money and resources into it. Let's really help them hone their skills as well and give them some data and evidence to do that with. Why are you concentrating specifically on female founders? What's the reason behind that? Female founders are a huge economic contributor and, you know, the, I, I can't remember the figures off the top of my head, but, you know, a small business is... Small businesses are huge contributors to the economy and typically the majority of those small businesses have a female as some form of decision maker in that business. And we often make comparisons about women versus men, but it, business is not about gender, it's actually about business. So let's find the business data as it relates to females, business data as it relates to males, not compare females to males, let's compare them from a, an, a business perspective. And that's what I'm trying to focus on that way. And also historically, um, women, when it comes to funding and investment, don't get a great deal of a, yeah. a look-see into the investment world. But I've got to say, that's changing, isn't it? It is, definitely. And I've been speaking with some people about that. And, you know, I think women are, are hopelessly underrepresented in funding 
across the world. This is not a uniquely Australian topic. But my curious mind, is I only hear about the low levels they get, but how many women apply, how much, how many people, what are they asking for is, you know, what is the comparison? And I think we need more data, that more robust data, and I think it's there. I think some of the stories we're telling are a little bit tainted mm. and that's okay because we're all learning as well. It's, it's, you know, we're all growing, we're all maturing as well. So it's time for us to, to get a little bit more sophisticated with the information and the data that's out there. So the information you've got at the moment, you take that specifically and you help guide and coach and mentor female founders and any, anyone else. So you're not yes, exclusive. Def- no, not exclusively for females. So, but you help guide. Yeah, and you know the the area that I like working in is, you know, I've been really lucky and I've worked in some very supportive ecosystems in Queensland and now across Australia and and even further afield than that. And being able to have a an independent lens and guide people in directions where they want to go. Um, you know, there's there's lots of incubators and lots of startup programs and accelerator programs around the world, and they all have a little bit of a different offering. And so, you know, making sure that people are in the right place for them, and you know, trying to also encourage people to uh, sometimes put the mirror up to themselves and realise that they're not quite ready because, you know, it, it's a tough gig and the, the people that support, that supply these programs, they invest a lot and, you know, we, we sort of owe it to everyone to sometimes be a bit tough and honest and have those conversations up front and, and make sure people are in the right place rather than set them up to fail. So one of the things that's going through my mind, Kelly, is I, I listen to this and it's it's referenced back to um, one of Sharon's earlier comments about the difference between what you see in Australia versus Ireland or other uh, cultures you're dealing with. And so there's elements of s- specific cultural difference, and I think actually personally that they are really quite significant mm-hmm. f- compared to what I see in Australia versus other places. Ah. Um, Sarah, well, I'll come... Sharon just asked me how, so I'll come back and do one specifically. And it does relate to this element of um, female founders and women-led businesses. So a lot of what I'm engaged with overseas is very much about emerging economies and, uh, and development yeah. in, in developing countries. And what most foreign governments and investors actually recognise is that those countries are going to be led by women-led businesses. Absolutely. And so the, the nature of the programs and the research that's actually going on internationally far exceeds anything I see here in Australia. And yet, ironically, Australia is actually funding a lot of that research mm-hmm. for the international mm-hmm. countries. So DFAT is doing a heck of a lot over there. Uh, USAID is doing a lot in emerging economies through the ASEAN region. Um, and I see very little of it actually translating here in Australia. Um, Pauline is nodding her head furiously. Mm. Well, if anyone wants to sponsor my research and you're based in Australia, I'll happily have a conversation with you. And But you're right, Tony, I could get sponsorship overseas, but that creates a whole lot of decisions and consequences on my part that I don't want to have to make. I want to, you know, help give a voice to the wonderful activity that's happening in Australia. Other countries are doing it. We need to beat our own drum and we need to have that data. The data's there. We're mature enough. 
We've, we've learnt enough, we've failed enough, we've excelled enough, we've developed enough, the data's there. We've just got to get serious about it. And, you know, I agree that, you know, overline my work with the sustainable development goals. So those, you know, growing and thriving communities and all those, you know, economic equity, education, um, things like that, are the things that are really, really focused on overseas. We haven't got there yet. As, as an observation, and even sit, given the nature of this topic and sitting in this room, I feel very unqualified to, uh, to talk <laughs> about this as the only male in this conversation. But it's, I do see that when you talk about the SDGs, Sustainable Development mm. Goals, the United Nations. Um, it's where they talk about access to uh, microfinance for women, mm -hmm. so micro loans, grenine loans, uh, mm -hmm. and those sorts of things, because you know that um, a dollar in the hand of a woman is going to get a much greater return than it will in the, the hands of a man. Mm -hmm. And it comes back to a lot of what Pauline was saying earlier around um, are you passionate about your problem? And where women tend to culturally, and there's massive generalisation, so forgive me, but it seems to point out that actually more solutions are intended, focusing, nurturing, and so a lot of startups actually founded by women founders are way more successful. The percentage is much greater than it is for males. Definitely. Um, and the return on uh, investment, return on equity, is actually much greater. Mm. So I'm wondering, it's as an observation, it's like what I notice is in a lot of the foreign countries uh, where I'm exposed to, women have a much lower starting base. They don't have the same access to education. There truly is an observable inequality. Mm -hmm. Whereas I wonder in Australia, so this is a, a naive question from my perspective, is it that we have this lip service that we are actually all equal here and that we have the same educational um, opportunities, etc. And so we, we pay less attention to it here because we assume it shouldn't be a problem. It's not as overt. As, as what I see in other countries. And again, I don't know the answer to that, so please So is that, that where we're coming from with education and equity with men? I, look, I think, um, I think, you know, this is the one of the things I want to find out is what does success mean and what is that success mo driven by or motivated by? And, it, you know, success um, will mean different things for different people. And I think a lot of the, the reasons, you know, in overseas countries, that maybe don't have the social frameworks that we have here they're they're driven to success for different reasons than we are doesn't mean that they are any less successful because their drivers are different but we're all thinking about different things and without getting on my high horse i think in australia <laughs> you know i'm all for equality i'm all for equalness and i'm all for togetherness and i've recently um completed a course with the University of Toronto on, um, you know, inclusion and inclusion and um, gender equity in data analysis and information gathering. And it's one of those things that we've probably got a little bit caught up on the equity issue, which I'm really struggling to see how that equates to a lot of the female founders I work with because they don't see that they have a peer to get equal pay from. They're running their own business. So we've got to get some different measures for female founders. I think we've mixed the story up a little bit and we haven't quite got our focus together. So all for equality, all for everybody being treated fairly, but I think the current contemporary media and conversations around equal pay and 
equal representation in governance positions and decision-making positions in corporation doesn't truly reflect the equity that's needed for a female or the elements that are needed for equity for a female founder. So um, Sharon's passed me the mic, it's Pauline, so I thought I'll, I'll add to this one because um, <laughs> I, I am quite passionate about the whole female founder journey and I think we are, um, Kelly, I love that you're actually doing your PhD. I know, I remember when you announced it, mm -hmm. I was super excited because we do need data mm. um, because my assumption is I know what the data is going to tell me if, if it's measuring the right level. So if, I think all of it should be measured, absolutely, but there is very well established facts that um, VC funding goes to less than 3% um, of the technology startups that are being funded, less than 3% goes to female founders. Mm. Um, and that is a global problem. And actually during COVID, it actually worsened because a lot of the females ended up homeschooling and took a back seat and their businesses slowed down or they mm -hmm. sacrificed it. And a lot of businesses closed down um, and the females took the hit. So the reality is it's there. But Tony, your question was, you know, why in comparison to um, some of the countries, the developing nations that you've worked with, um, for those who don't know, I'm from Papua New Guinea. It's a developing nation and we have the lowest and the, the most inequality um, standards for gender. Uh, we rank 161 um, out of 163 on the gender index for, for equality. Um, I have a, a foundation. I don't talk about that a lot, but uh, we're working on getting women into national politics to actually help address so that we've got policy decision makers who are women because we have none in national parliament, no woman. And, you know, for 48% of the population being women, we need more in there. So you kind of have to take very direct action to do that for developing nations. And that's why I think there's a conscious effort. I do think there is a bit of a rose-coloured lens on Australia in regards to the gender equality. Um, but I also think it's because of our laid-back nature and the culture that's here. So it's more systemically associated with how men and women are culturally. And, and this is my only my opinion observations. But also I've talked about female... Um, um, gender equality at unis as well as um, overseas and here and I, I definitely think the cultural um, ways that men are tolerated for behaviours they portray starting as a child and by the mothers impacts the way where we are today and you know that's in any developed nation that's in America that's here so how we are treating our sons compared to the little girls that we have and our daughters has contributed to what we're seeing today also contributes to how women back themselves or don't back themselves um, so I'm super excited <laughs> to and I'm, I'm gonna be supporting you all the way you Thanks, want data Pauline. I will help get your data um, it's gonna be a great great um, Can you be my coffee supplier while I'm trying to do any, all my reading starting this Wednesday <laughs> We, we actually have community coffee this week, so go check out our website and you can come down and have as much free coffee as you want. So, uh, there's some fascinating pieces in here and as I say, it's one of the reasons I enjoy doing some of the things I do and even these conversations, I always learn so much and there are so many lenses to actually look through. And you say there's so much data, the irony of it is that so much of that data is foreign focused. Mm -hmm. So to hear those stats about PNG is just quite staggering um, and for a country that's so right, close. Exactly. Um, it's, it also sort of comes back to one of the earlier questions which was also about what are some of the cultural differences that we see and one of the things you, I heard you mention then Pauline was about a laid-back culture and also about, and you mentioned Kelly, about the the difference in treatment mm -hmm. of expectations of women and men. One of the things I see 
that we've always talked about here in Australia is about being the lucky country. We are lucky because of the stuff we dig out of the ground. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty much all that's kept this economy going and all that's continuing to keep it going. And when you go to um, particularly the ASEAN countries and other developing economies, it's very much about either you get innovative and creative today, otherwise you don't put food on the table tomorrow. Mm -hmm. They don't have superannuation. They don't have minimum wages. They just basically... So the thing I talk about with, um, particularly in um, Ho Chi Minh City and places like that, it's you are either sleeping or you are selling. And so we always talk about startup character being a hustler. Yeah. Can you be selling 24-7? Over there, they have to as a necessity. In Australia, we don't. We're very lazy. But the thing I also see is in those um, economies, it's typically the women that are all the ones on the street who are actually selling the stuff to put food on the table for the, the kids the next day. So th I think it's such a complicated notion just from my own lens, just of what I actually see. But there's, there's, I think there's some very simple messages in there and we just keep fundamentally missing them and getting them wrong. Yeah, we get a bit blindsided, I think. And, you know, I've had some, some wonderful experiences helping people of all genders, but some of the, the most memorable ones for me have, have been you know, ones in the Asian countries where, um, you know, the woman has had to all of a sudden earn an income and provide for the family and their only skill is cooking. Mm. And, you know, you've worked with someone and you mentor them to help them build a plan to save $2.50 in 12 months because they want to buy a new tablecloth mm. to keep their customers happy. You know, and the temptation to just buy them a tablecloth and send them that, is so great but that's not the lesson they need they you know we need to teach them skills but we also need to recognize and and start understanding i think you know for australia we've laid back everything's working okay you know in that entrepreneurial space there's lots of great things happening and lots of great ideas coming out and people are making progress but i think we need to start realizing that that industry is maturing and we're growing up and we we need to we need to step up and we still have on the phone at the moment uh, Sharon Honeybell. Now, Sharon's been listening to the conversation and I bet you she's been chomping at the bit wanting to have a, a, a dive in and a little bit of a say on what we're talking about at the moment. So, Sharon, would you like to add your comments to the conversation? Oh, uh, sure. Um, yeah, one, wonderful to hear about the research. Um, I guess in, in the last um, couple of years, um, we have taken um, a stronger focus on female founders. So we have quite a large um, female founders club that gets together every two months. It's called Brunch Like a Boss. Um, and, uh, or, or the get together is called Brunch Like a Boss. Um, and so certainly like, yeah, what you're describing there, um, it's, it's, you know, the, the funding issues are, 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 are very real. Um, there are a lot, there's a lot of little things simmering um, in the background, but there's a lot of uh, women that are trying to fix the problems themselves. <laughs> um, so um, I, I'm an activator for CEO, um, which, is an, which is sort of an organisation that, that's trying to, um, you know, it's women funding women uh, with uh, five-year um, interest-free loans. Um, but there's there's a lot of stuff that's sort of happening, but 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 not enough, and there's not the data there. So I 100% would love to be able to support um, that initiative a little bit more with 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 our female founder network that we've been building. That sounds fantastic. So we will put you in touch 
with Kelly and Sharon and Kelly already comes into River City Labs so uh, we'll put you in touch because yeah I think that this we could get the ball rolling Kelly that'd be fantastic thank you sounds like you can get coffee on the Gold Coast as well as in the valley right (laughs) (laughs) done deal you've got a ticket to the next event for sure (laughs) now Kelly um, one more question sure how do people find you well, the best way to find me is um, I'm working undercover at the moment just because I've been so busy. I haven't had time to do anything. So if you wanted to send me an email to kelly.dyer at me.com and uh, we can organise a time to have a chat or a meet-up and uh, talk Pick about what's going Kelly's on. brains. Yeah. She's absolutely fantastic. And, and if you're too close to your own thought, idea, business... Kelly has this really great way of stepping out, stepping back and saying, have you looked at it from this <laughs> angle? Thanks. <laughs> and really? I guess too, if you're at River City Labs, you can find me there because I'm one of the mentors. Mentors with there I have been for a few years. So I'd love to catch up with you through the great work that River City Labs does as well. So what stage are you at with your PhD? Are you just beginning or are you... Very early. Okay. Very early. So shortly, not only is it a case of people come and picking your brains, but you're going to be actually reaching out soon to gather data <laughs> sources, interview people and everything else. Yeah. Is that something, is that how you're doing your process? Yeah, definitely, definitely. So watch this space. Um, it's early stages trying to, at the moment, trying to, um, you know, really do credit to the female entrepreneurs in Australia and make sure that we ground the research the right way so that we can get valuable information rather than just putting out a survey and collecting as much as we can. This is about understanding, you know, one of the things when I was at um, the University of Toronto is the data you're getting answering the questions you want to know. So we're really making sure that we're aligning that together. Fantastic. Well, um, before we make a move, John always asks one last question of our guests and that is what is the what is that one thing that you would recommend guide suggest for anyone coming into this space what's your thoughts kelly be prepared to ask all the questions you need to ask and to accept all the help that's given to you and that's you know the the thing that i think people need to do Excellent. Sharon Honeybell, uh, what's your thought about, um, what's one piece of advice you would give to someone coming into this space? Um, I didn't quite hear Kelly's one, so hopefully I don't um, I, I overlap. But um, for me, it is, uh, there is no such thing as bad feedback. And in fact, sometimes the most critical feedback that you get on your business idea or, uh, or your early stage you know, prototype from customers is the most valuable. So, um, so don't be disheartened if you get negative feedback. You use that to, you know, flip it around and create something that people love. Okay, that sounds great. Any more advice for for people heading into this space and wanting to meet with you and wanting to be a part of the Gold Coast Hub? Oh, sure. Um, well, advice around that is, yeah, absolutely reach out, um, head to our website, see what we do, um, find an event that you'd like to come along to, um, uh, check out the QI Hub for other events and activities that you can um, that you can join, and 
um, yeah, and feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn uh, or any any other platform. Um, yeah, love love to connect with entrepreneurs and 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 start that journey with you. Wonderful, Sharon. Thank you so much. And Pauline, what's your advice? Uh, my advice is really about be prepared to get your hands dirty, break your back doing the work, do your research, know your market and your problem better than anyone else so that when you actually are navigating all the different ways that you're going to tackle to sell it and to reach your market, that you have so much knowledge and understanding and more focused on the problem and the customer that you don't get hung up on this fixated destination you think you're going to because it's going to be an experiment it's going to be a ride and connect yourself into places uh, like the GC hub as well as uh, River City Labs and to mentors around you like Kelly as well as Tony uh, in your region because uh, those are the people who are going to help you along your very sometimes lonely um, pathway to building a technology startup. And it's a rocky pathway as well mm. like you've got some high high highs and you've got some Lows. Absolutely. And, you know, there's no one blueprint. So be that's why I'm saying be prepared to be adaptable, coachable. Um, you know, you really got to hustle. And have, when the word hustle I normally don't like, but you kind of got to be gritty and um, be able to be flexible with your intentions because they are going to change. Everything you think you're going to do will change many, many times. Um, but it's a great personal growth journey. And if you can be willing to enjoy that ride, you know, you're living your life to the fullest. Mm. And even if you do know your market inside, outside, upside down, still... It changes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Still be prepared to listen to, to the mentors around you, as I mentioned before with Kelly and all of our mentors mentors, all of the people that are here on, on Searchlight, John included, and that is they can see things not through the lens of your eyes and sometimes you can be a little bit too close to what you're working on. Someone else stepping back has a broader vision and they can see things that you haven't seen. And I can put my hand up and I can say, you know, that has happened with me from people who aren't in my specific industry or my startup industry. But that gave them a really interesting perspective that I hadn't seen. So if you've got a great idea, don't be so stuck on it and don't be so stuck in the mud on what you think should happen. Listen to the people around you. Get involved in these startups, these accelerators, these hubs. Just go and absorb as much as you possibly can. Ask a billion and one questions and then ask them again because... The mentors and the people in this, this ecosystem are quite simply incredible and uh, got to be so proud of of what we've got in Australia. I know we're, we're not quite, you know, where America is at the moment. We're getting there. We've got uh, amazing people who are going to take you on that journey and they just give you their heart and soul and can't say thank you enough. Tony. So... I was just listening to the answers to each of those questions and I guess what just struck me was this conversation has all been about supporting the entrepreneur but what we're actually talking about here is a, an economic development, a social development initiative here in this case for Australia whichever country you're in and it actually takes not only entrepreneurs who want to build the new businesses and actually take that idea to market but what we've talked about all the way through this is that it's actually there's an entire community 
So we always talk about this, it takes a village to raise a child, it takes a, a village to raise a, or it takes an ecosystem to take an idea to market. So for some people who might be listening, um, if they're thinking, well, that sounds really interesting, but you know what, I really don't want to be an entrepreneur. I don't want to be having the sleepless nights. Pauline scared the heck out of me tonight. I'm never going down that path. Um, but you know what? I like the idea of being someone that can provide and help create the, the right policy environment. So, again, this is election week. So hopefully this yes, is getting broadcast up. to the right people because we have a massive issue in Australia with our policy settings around innovation. Um, it, but it does actually take a significant focused effort and in terms of Kelly's research, she wants to get the policy settings right based on data for female founders. Mm -hmm. There's a whole bunch of other things about access to capital, about innovation, about intellectual property, about getting the environmental settings right. So you don't have to have to be an entrepreneur to contribute to the outcomes that we're talking about. So even if you think about how do I become a community builder, how do I become an ecosystem builder, is just part of the, the, the jargon we use. If I'm a politician, what the heck can I do to actually support new businesses? In a lot of cases, it's not what you think it is. Uh, number one, stability, get out of the way. Um, but there's and a whole bunch of. Business is the driver, small business and business is the driver of the economy, not government. And so that's obviously the debate we're hearing right now, but there are, there are multiple roles. So if you're just even curious about it, again, get to one of these networking events. It sounds like there's a lot of free coffee getting passed around. So if you're into coffee, and I've been to a fair few, there's a lot of free wine gets passed around as well. So there's always ways to build community, to connect and go and ask questions and to be willing to learn and figure out what is this thing all about? And fundamentally, how do we make Australia a better place? So that's ultimately what all of this is about. The only other roles I'll point out is if you're a software engineer and you want to um, actually come and work for a startup or you're a marketing um, guru, there are so many roles um, in building a startup and from operations to marketing to sales to uh, engineering, uh, UX and UI design, like all those roles, there's amazing startups in Queensland that need your help and we, there is a resource shortage and a crisis in Australia and we, and we need them supporting the smaller end of town, which is the technology startups and the small business. Um, but also if you're an investor, if you're an angel investor um, or a um, high net worth that wants to get your hands into startups, you know, feel free to reach out as well. Perfect including um, the Redlands Angels. So next month, we'll give you some more details on how you can become involved in the Redlands Angels groups. Sharon, thank you very much for, for joining us tonight. Thank you for having me. It's been wonderful. It's been an absolute pleasure. Next time, we'll have you on board and we'll have you live in the studio because it's a whole bunch of fun. I can't wait. <laughs> Kelly Dyer. Thank you so much for joining us tonight and your exciting journey and the research that you want to do. I think that that is empowering. Oh, thanks for having me, Sharon. It's always a pleasure to come out here and I am really looking forward to getting out and speaking to as many people as I can to, you know, this research is not about me. It's actually about helping everybody else. So, um, you know, feel free to contact me and make a contribution and I'll get it in there. Which is your email again? Uh, Kelly.dyer at me.com. Got that.
kelly.dyer at me.com and Pauline from River City Labs. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Now you've got a um, you've got a tech thing coming up soon. Yes, we have somethingfest.com.au so we have a um, digital innovation and technology festival that's actually running in October. So if you are a startup, um, you're an innovator, technologist, academic, any part of the actual innovation ecosystem in Australia, we have um, all the VCs from across Australia already confirming they're coming. Uh, we'll have office hours, we'll have trade shows with startups actually showcasing their technology, um, and we will be um, enjoying more coffee, wine, and, wine. <laughs> and food because that's what happens when communities get together and do business. Um, but also we kick off with something digital for the first um, part of the week. So What's something that? digital, which is another festival that's been running five years now this year. They're partners of ours, the amazing Nadine and Lisa, and they are running uh, more around the corporate digital innovation and we'll be talking about topics like leading up into the Olympics and what uh, you know Queensland and Australia needs to prepare themselves into the digital economy. Um, already are as well. So they go for the first um, part of the week and then we will um, tail end and we'll be running on Wednesday evening till Friday night, finishing with River Pitch, which is our inaugural flagship event. Uh, uh, has been running for many years. Last year was an absolute success uh, where we had 10 companies, the best of the best of Queensland pitch. Uh, one even secured $500,000 that night um, to a room full of investors. So that will be on the Friday night and um, finish off hopefully an amazing year and companies being able to convert a transaction whether they get a new partner or a client in that festival or investment sounds amazing I'll be there <laughs> that's gonna be fantastic Tony Wheeler Angel from the the Redlands Angels um, has sat in with us tonight he's, he's been a guest in this studio a number of times but this was the first time he was a co-host because uh, Jumba Cat uh, a couple of weeks ago, had COVID and still has the <laughs> bit of a cough. Get better soon, John. But, Tony, I've got to say thank you so much for joining us tonight. It's been an absolute pleasure. You've added your wealth of knowledge, your mentoring skills uh, to the whole conversation. So thank you so much. You're most welcome. And, uh, yeah, thank you to everyone that's been involved this evening. And likewise, John, get better soon. Um, I'm not taking this chair over. Um, so <laughs> you're, you can have it back. But it has been a hoot. I always love these conversations. And, uh, Sharon, thank you for making it so easy. My pleasure. If you want to catch the podcast, it'll be up on bayfm.org.au in just a couple of days. Go back, listen to all of the information, get what you need, and then go for it because sky's the limit on a full moon. Have a good one. Thank you for joining us. This is Bay FM 100.3, Searchlight, The Entrepreneur's Journey. <laughs>